things so undeserved yet you give to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory. Just let me live my life pleasing unto you. And should I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With your blood, you have saved me. With your power, you have raised me. To God be the glory for all he has done. Aren't you proud of the God working in your life today? Aren't you glad you're part of the family of God? Speaking of family, Jesus brings attention to the children, how their worship, their sincerity is precious. And today, as Skyler was having quite a time uh, running around the building several times with her friend, out of the blue, she just stopped what she was doing and ran over and gave me a hug out of the blue. Those are the kind of hugs God enjoys. When you just randomly, out of the blue, just take a moment from your busy schedule, busy day, busy priority, and just stop just for a moment and say, God, I'm alive. Thank you for thinking about me. I'm alive because your hand is upon my life for all you have done for me. What a powerful, powerful truth. This morning for a few minutes, I'd like to reflect on the thought or on the idea or on the truth of your last setback is probably the foundation for your next comeback. Amen. Your last setback is probably your foundation for your next comeback. Courtney, did you get it all? Okay. Winston Churchill, the great statesman, London, England, during the time of World War II, powerful voice, powerful authority made the statement, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. Never give up. Amen. When I think of setbacks, I think of life and I, I believe that every one of us in this house this morning could say that we have had some kind of setback. Maybe because of poor decisions, maybe because of mistakes, maybe because of failures, bad decisions were just as bad as poor decisions, job loss, challenges in marriage, challenges in parenting, challenges in finances. These kind of setbacks usually produce anger, depression. The enemy tries to steal our aspirations, our hope. We're trying to build a legacy, but it seems like every day or every other day, we go through something that tries to steal our joy, sap our strength, and take away the authority that God has given us. I wrote here, purpose. The enemy will try to defeat your purpose. The definition of the word purpose, I wrote, your purpose in life is to find your purpose in life. I thought that was kind of witty. Your purpose in life is to find your purpose in life. And if you're not looking for your purpose in life, you've already found it, or there's been a distraction, a detour, a dead end that has kept you from pursuing your purpose. In life, we get hurt, burnt, disappointed, 
If we're not careful, we can lose hope. And there's no feeling like that feeling that overwhelms you when you feel like that all hope is lost. Paul made that statement. All hope that we would be saved was lost. And many of us have been in circumstances and scenarios and in places where we feel like all our hope has been lost and we're merely just going through the motions. We get up, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we come home, we eat, we go to bed, we get up, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we come home, we come home and eat, we go to bed. And it's almost like a hamster on a wheel. I don't know if you've ever observed a hamster on, on a wheel, but they do go through a, little, a lot of motion, but they don't accomplish anything. And a lot of times we can feel like that hamster on the wheel that we're kind of in a rut. Anybody ever feel like they've been in a rut? When I look at Peter, who is our thought or theme today, we know that Peter denied Christ. Peter, I shared this with Al this morning. He just thought it was awesome. So hopefully you two will respond the same way Al did. Peter overestimated his strengths right. and underestimated his weakness. Right. He overestimated his strength and he underestimated his weakness. He did the one thing that he thought that he would never, ever do. And if I've taught my children anything, it's to never use the word never. You never know what you're going to do when the situation arises. You never know how you're going to react, how you're going to respond. Hopefully, we would like to react, respond the right way. But there are times in life when we do not react the right way. We don't respond the right way. And I can tell if you're really sanctified when I have you driving a car and some idiot pulls out in front of you, slam on your brakes, and you spill the hot coffee all over your lap, then I want to see how you react, and I want to see how you respond. Anybody relate? Yes, sir. Peter denied the most important person in his life. And Peter was an interesting character. He was one of the first, of the first two. He was one of the first disciples that Jesus called. He walked away from a prosperous fishing business, to follow Christ, walked away, from, walked away from his income, his source of income, put his complete trust that Jesus would provide every meal, every garment of clothing, his taxes, expenses, everything that he needed. Peter was outspoken. He was alpha male. He was a natural leader. He was impetuous. He was impulsive. And on the day of Pentecost, it was he who stood up and preached the first salvation message and thousands came to know Christ. It's Peter who made the statement, silver and gold have I none, but such that I have give I thee. And he was tapped into the healing flow of Jesus and he performed a miracle that day. Peter is only one of two people in the world, in the universe that walked on water. And I taught you years ago, Peter didn't walk on water, but Chris, he walked on the word. Peter walked, when Jesus said, come, Peter stepped out on that word. That was the faith he had. That was the tenacity he had. He was devoted to Jesus. He cut off the servant's ear. How many remember that? That tragedy. He was the leader of the 12. He was the, he was the spokesperson of the 12. But at the Passover, when Jesus brought all the disciples together in Luke 22 and 31, powerful chapter, but I want to share verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. 
But I prayed for thee that thou faith fail not, and when thou turn back, you will strengthen your brethren. What a statement, what an observation, what a revelation. Peter being told, Peter, you're going to drop the ball, but you're going you're you're to be okay. You're going to make it, you're going to recover. And when you recover, you're going to be a strength to the brethren. You're, you're going to be a, a light in a dark place. You're going to be that voice crying out in the wilderness. You're going to be able to turn this around. And Peter said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both to prison and to death. And I know a lot of times we can get to that place in our, in our life where we're ready to take on anything the devil has to offer. Anybody relate? But isn't it crazy that a simple thing like a flat tire can steal our joy and steal our vocabulary? Can anybody relate to a flat tire right at right the very time you really needed the, the vehicle to operate Peter, Peter stepped into a place where the enemy was speaking into his spirit and Peter was responding. And we know the story at, at that moment that when the cock, right before the cock, the rooster crowed, Peter three times said, I never knew him. I was never around him. And then he actually steps into profanity and he begins to curse to prove to the world that he was of the world and not of God. And then the, the, the rooster crowed. And the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was so tore up by what he had done, what he had, what he'd been involved in, that it, it tore him up. And he said, you know what? I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back. I'm going to go casting and I'm going to go. And the disciples went with him. That, that's the power of leadership. When you're where you need to be with God, people will follow you to the things of God. But if you're not where you need to be with God, people will follow you on the path that you have chosen. That's why parenting is so important. That's why siblings are so important. That's why peers are so important. Jesus told Peter, you're going to turn it around. And when you turn it around, you're going to touch your brother. You're going to strengthen your brother. You're going to bless your brethren. And we know the story does not end there, but Peter got out of his setback. He didn't get stuck in his setback. He didn't stay where he was. But when, Peter, when Jesus called him the second time, Peter, will you feed my, feed my lambs? You know the story. Peter said, Lord, I'll feed him. I'll do whatever it takes. He preached the sermon at Pentecost. He performed the miracle at Gate Beautiful. He wrote two beautiful books in the Bible that we'll look at in just a moment. But it was simply a setback. First thing about your setback, don't get stuck in your setback. Amen. Don't stay where you're at. Do whatever it takes to get over it, get out of it, whatever that entails, whatever that involves, whether it's intercessory prayer, whether it's counsel, whether it's bringing someone into your life to strengthen you, encourage you, whether it's reading a book, whether it's listening to a tape, don't stay in that rut. Don't stay in that pit. Do whatever it takes to get out of that setback. Talking about setback, football teams on the field, quarterback got hurt. The second string quarterback was lousy. The coach called him over and said, listen, run three plays and then punt the ball. Maybe by the time you run three plays, our quarterback will be healed and we'll put him back in. Second string quarterback went on the field. The first play, they gained 10 yards. The coach couldn't believe it. The second play, they threw a pass, they gained 15 yards. The coach is completely freaking out. On the third play, they did a run in around and they made it 25 yards. The coach is just ecstatic. On the fourth play, the quarterback kicked the ball out of the field. The coach was furious. Called him over on the bench. What in the world are you doing? What in the world are you thinking? And the quarterback said, 
I'm thinking I got the dumbest coach in the history of football. Don't stay in your rut. Don't stay in your mess. Don't stay. Let, your, let, 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 let the story be told that you are going through a trial. This trial has a beginning. It has an end. It has completion. And then you're promoted to the next place that God has called you into. Thank God for the fiery dart, the trials of our faith. The Bible says that they are trials of our faith. Walk it out. I wrote down here, walk it out. We're all going to go through something. Paul tried to warn us that you have the shield of faith and your faith has the ability to grow if you feed your faith. But if you don't feed your faith through worship and prayer and devotions, you're going to feed your fear because the enemy is going to try to overwhelm you and tell you this is too big for you to mess with. This is too, this is too powerful for you to get involved in that you're not going to win. You may as well give up. Running varsity track two years, there were several races where the, the runner got behind and and then he faked an injury. He faked an ankle was sprained. I don't know if you know a faker or not, but they're, they're out there and they realize they're not going to win. So they just they disqualify themselves and they stop. They stay, stop running the race. Don't stop running the race. There's a beginning and there is an end that I'm preaching good now. Amen. The trial of your faith. Your faith is under trial. There are tests that we go through. My junior and senior year. I might need that page. I might need that page too. Oh, there's a page missing. I may not need it. Let's see how that goes. Uh, Keith, will you go on my desk and see if there's a, a piece of paper with scribbling on it like this? I felt like God gave it to me, so I want to make sure you get it. Is that okay? Amen. So the last thing I said was what? Peter, outspoken, walked on the water, cut the servant's ear off, devo devoted to Jesus, the leader of the twelve. A lot of times in, let, let me rephrase that. The two years in jun my junior and senior year of, of track, the two years that I, that I raced, I, there was not a race I ran that I didn't place. Four to five races I won. And on that day, the league meet when all the best runners from all over the state came, I placed second in, 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 the, in the race. I received an offer to go to UCLA. I live about 11 miles from UCLA. It took me two and a half hours to get to UCLA because California has the world's largest parking lot. You get on the freeway and you park for days. Right. You, you run out of gas. I mean, a lot of bad things can happen on the California freeway. People can shoot at you. So I decided that was not. Yeah. Oh, there's two pages. Oh, this is from last week. That's OK. This is a good. This is a good. No, don't don't worry about it. If the Lord didn't want me to share it, I'm not going to share it. I will go ahead and finish my, my story about track. I believe the reason that I did so well in track is not because when the gun get off, I was a skinny, long drink of water, and I, I ran my whole life anyway. I don't think that was the reason I won. I think the reason I won is because days before, every day I would run 10 to 15 miles. Every day I would run the mile. I would time myself. 
and I would see how well I did. Every single week would focus on that Friday afternoon track meet. And the reason I did what I was able to do was because I did not allow the setbacks of the last race discourage me into thinking I couldn't win the next race. Can anybody relate? Yeah. A lot of times we, we, we mess up. We drop the ball. That quarterback has got 11 guys on the other side of the field trying to take his head off. And there's going to be time to time he's going to drop the ball or he's going to throw an interception. But, you know, when he goes to the bench, the coach doesn't tell him to go to the lockers to take a shower. But the coach sits there and begins to encourage him and begins to show, show him how to do it differently. Tells him how he can do it the, nec the next time. And that quarterback goes back out there with the attitude of, I'm going to move this ball forward because that's what I do. And in life, when you're realizing, I'll share with you a passage of scripture that Peter shared. I believe it's in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Let me read that to you. At the end of his journey, Peter is converted. Peter preaches Pentecost. Peter performs miracles, writes two beautiful books. But at the end of this journey, he writes this. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Yes. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Peter realized at the end of the journey, there was a adversary that wants to stop and hinder everything you're doing. And as Pastor Rhonda mentioned in this building this morning, there are people here that should be dead. The devil tried to kill them, tried to take them out. And they experience surgery, they experience operation, they experience financial disaster, they experience cancer. It was a setback, but they didn't stay in that moment, they didn't stay in that season, but they kept pushing, they kept prodding, they kept on until there was a breakthrough and they're able to look back now and that date is simply a memorial when we declare God was faithful. God did not let us down. And when you look at the Bible, there are so many characters there that, that had setbacks in their life. I think about Jonah, powerful evangelist. Jonah had the ability to turn entire cities around for God. That was anointing on his life as an evangelist. But Jonah got an attitude and Jonah got stubborn and Jonah got rebellious. And he said, I am all that in a bag of chips. I'm going to do what I'm going to call myself. I'm going to go to the land that I think I should go to. And you know the story. He heads that way. And the Bible says there's a storm from hell, literally. And the soldier and, the, and the, all the people on the boat, they cast lots. The lot falls on Jonah. I don't know how all that works. But Jonah admitted and said, yes, I've disobeyed God. I'm running from God. You need to throw me in the ocean. Well, that's not a very good plan. But they were, the, storm was, the storm was so tumultuous that it scared them, it frightened them, and they threw Jonah in the ocean. And you all know the story, a whale swallowed Jonah. And the whale was, Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days. I don't know how he survived, that's just what the Bible says. And Jesus quoted it as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale. So it actually happened, it was a true story. Let me tell you something, Jonah found himself in a setback. How many knows laying in the juices and acids of a whale's belly is not a good place to be? How many knows you could get pretty discouraged? How many knows you get pretty frustrated? How many knows you get pretty angry, Absolutely. fearful? Can anybody relate? But, she, but Jonah was there three days and then the whale just 
burped him out on that beach. And the first thing that Jonah did, he went to Nineveh and he began to preach salvation. And guess what? The city was turned around because Jonah dealt with his setback and allowed it to be his next comeback. And he changed the city by the power of God's word. I think of David. David had several setbacks in life. There was a setback when a lion roared against the flock. None of us wake up tomorrow morning expecting to deal with a lion. None of us wake up tomorrow morning expecting to deal with the bear. But the lions and bears of our life will appear and we have got to be in a constant state of being ready whether you're Delta or Green Bay or Ranger or whatever, we are warriors of the Most High God. We are in a battle. We're in a war. We're clothed with the armor of God. We have the weapons of God. And every day we are to expect the enemy in some way or another to show his face and try to hurt, harm, and maim. That's the way he rolls. That's the way he devours. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And every morning we don't wake up thinking, well, there's going to be a lion today. There's going to be a bear today. But how many nine times out of ten is there? Something that pops his head, something shows up. You get a letter in the mail, you get a phone call, you get some bad news. You don't feel good. Your mind doesn't feel good. You don't feel at peace. You don't feel rested. You're going through stuff. Don't stay in that stuff. Say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, which includes getting out of this rut, getting out of this storm, getting out of this battle. I am going to do, I, not just I can, I'm going to do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Declare it and walk in it. Amen. I think of um, Samson had a setback, disobeyed God, found himself in the arms of a godless woman. And we know the story. His eyes were removed. His hair was cut. He had lost his strength. That was definitely a setback. But you know, every day, Samuel, Samson began to reconnect with God. He began to reassociate with God. He began to pray. He began to seek God. And on that day of days, Samson said, God, let me feel your power one more time. He stepped out of his setback and he stepped in his comeback. And that day, on that occasion, he defeated more of the Philistines than he had in his entire life. We know on one afternoon he killed a thousand. So he was a mighty warrior. He did mighty things. But on that day, in his comeback, he didn't stay st stuck in that setback. He didn't say, well, God's done with me. God's finished with me. There's no hope. There's no favor. There's no anointing. He just simply asked. And, and Jesus said, ask and it shall be given unto you. We ask God to get her through a trials. We ask God to get her through our stuff. We ask God to get us through the stuff that we're going through because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the enemy cannot defeat the God in you if you'll allow the God in you to live. Amen. Man, I'm preaching good this morning without notes. There was somebody else I thought about. Jonah, Gideon. Gideon found himself and sat back terrified in fear, trying to protect a little field of beings. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, I'm not a mighty man of valor. I'm a coward. I'm hiding here. Our, our, our people have been defeated. There's nothing that we can do. And God told Gideon, you're the one I'm going to use. You're the one that's going to lead this army into a breakthrough. And you follow that story and find them declaring the battle is the Lord's and the battle is Gideon's. And that day they destroyed thousands of the enemy. Why? Because Gideon refused to stay in his setback and he stepped out into a comeback and defeated the army of the enemy. 
I want to encourage you today, don't get stuck in your setback. Identify it, deal with it, seek whatever God's word says to seek to, to turn it around, but turn it around in your life so that you can be a blessing to others. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this season in our life. We thank you for spiritual growth. We thank you for maturity. We thank you that every day we get stronger. Every Sunday we digest your word and we take what applies to us and we focus on that the rest of the week, that every day when we get out of bed, we realize that our hope is in you and our trust is in you. And as the, the, the scripture says, the promises of God are new every morning. You are faithful, you're consistent, and we love you. And we want to get in that secret place the most high. We want to stay there. We want to operate in the things of the word, the things of the spirit. And we realize there's going to be, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be bad decisions. There's going, to be, there's going to be enemies going to try to throw fiery darts at us to quench our faith. But we allow our faith to grow in praise and worship and your word. And we look, we keep our eyes open to be your hand extended reaching to the oppressed. Let us touch you today so that we can touch others tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And they all said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his goodness and his mercy today. If you'll allow me next Sunday, I want to do a part two on this. Would that be okay? Yes. So, so go ahead and stay stuck in your stuff this week because next Sunday we'll preach a word that will get you unstuck and all of that. Pastor Tyrone, always a joy to have you in the house. Come, come real quick for a moment. Pastor Ron, hand him that microphone.